Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and we're about to get into the money talk. Now, today's episode is something really special. I actually recorded it two years ago because I've been wanting to do this podcast for about two years and I've never released it. And even though it's going on its third year, the topic discussed and all of the interviews that I did are super relevant today. We're talking about student loan debt. It's the start of a new year, we need to have our finances fresh, and it's also really important to know how to manage your debt, whether you're in school now or you're still paying off your loans because COVID stopped loan payment requirements. But after the 31st, everything is gonna go back to normal and being a not so average Joe, you gotta have your action plan in line. So stay tuned because whether you're a student, whether you're thinking about going to college, whether you've graduated years ago, or whether you're just curious of how student loans affects us, because it really does affect us all, this is the episode for you. Picture this. You're an eager college student ready to graduate so you can finally start your life. But... Your account has a balance of negative $200,000. Would you like to continue? You are now starting your life with negative $200,000 in your bank account. And 44.2 million people have a bill of over $1.5 trillion. No, I didn't stutter. We're going to hear real-life horror stories from people struggling with this issue. And then we're going to talk to experts to give you tangible tips on how to manage student loan debt, including my story on how I paid off over $67,000 as an entrepreneur. I just want to interrupt myself. When I recorded this episode, those were the accurate stats. But today, we actually have 45 million borrowers who collectively owe $1.7 trillion of student loans. That's a lot of money, y'all. The intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. side note most of this podcast is made with the u.s perspective but i'm totally open to knowing more about how student loans affects everyone around the world so if you have an interesting story from loans abroad shoot us a dm on instagram at not your average joe pod and maybe we'll do a part two okay promise i'll stop interrupting enjoy the show (laughs) what's going on everybody i'm joe franco your host here on the podcast that aims to make you a little less average so let's talk about student loan debt Yesterday, while doing some research, I put on my Raggedy Pace University t-shirt. It's so old that the pit stains are permanent. It looks like it'd been on the clearance rack at Goodwill, but I still can't give it up. I'm not a hoarder. It's just that I realized that this shirt is the only tangible thing I own that represents almost $100,000 of debt I was in for almost a decade. My degree? Zero idea where it is. Ask me how many times I had to use it? Also zero. The days I spent crying about student loans? probably more than I feel comfortable sharing, but the good news is I'm not alone. The bad news is I'm not alone. I reached out to you on Instagram and asked, does anybody have an interesting story? And a lot of you did. I've heard a lot of student loan debt stories. Obviously this is the topic du jour, but 
on the really scary side of the spectrum, there are stories like this. It was a horror story, and like, I'm so glad I switched majors, but now that I've graduated and paying my loans off, it's like a major anxiety attack, like, I think 24-7 almost. This is Stacy. She's 22 years old and lives in the Midwest. She graduated with a bachelor degree and over $100,000 of debt. Do you actually know how many years you're going to have to pay? No, I don't. And that's the thing is like, I've tried reading into my terms and my, my student loan terms, like depending on what loan it is, they shift and change and some are 10, some are 15, I think some are 20. And it's just kind of like any extra dollar I get, I'm throwing at them. But at the same time, I have to be able to survive. Here's the thing that I always think about. It's the ironic truth that you go to college to get a degree, which is your ticket to getting any job you want. Or so you thought, because when you graduate, you're hit with the wall of debt and that completely changes your choices. Did that happen to you? Yes, I studied global studies. I want to do like international policy or humanitarian aid. I just want to work in an international field. But I live in a super small city. It's not the place for any type of global employment. You know, for that, I'd have to move somewhere more expensive. I'd have to move to a larger city. And they're so much more expensive than where I currently live. And I don't have the finances to move to one of those cities. And then it's also a combination of entry-level positions don't pay enough for people to live even without student loans. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's unrelenting cycle of, I have to be able to have that experience, but I can't even afford to get the experience. How much is your monthly payment, if you don't mind me asking? No, no, that's fine. It's around 1400 but then some of my interest rates are variable. So... Sometimes they change. It's completely holding me back. It's holding my husband back. There are so many opportunities that we are definitely missing out on because of my student loans. And it's like we pay more to my student loans every month than we do the rest of our monthly bills. To me, the biggest problem here is that it's like, if we could have a drawing, it would be a physical anvil on your chest, like after you graduate and you're crippled. Yeah, it's like, I don't think of myself as a hopeless kind of person, but every so often like, I realize it and I'm just like, wow. In looking through all the submissions that I received, I wanted to get more of a global perspective because you know, we stay globally minded. And this is when I met Thomas from the UK. Yes, yeah, so my name's Thomas Saunders. I am a student in the UK and I do work part-time at Tesco's, which is a supermarket. Thomas is a student in the UK, and his story is important because it shows us that the US is not the only place with student loan debt. So my debt will look roughly like about £45,000. So I think the average here is like around 30000 per student, which similar, I mean, it's actually a lot less, but considering it's in pounds. Yeah, still, still quite a significant amount. Okay, so is there the same stigma over there in the UK with people graduating from high school or the equivalent and then not going to college? Because here, it's essentially almost every single person gets told, hey, you won't succeed without college. Is it the same thing in the UK? I'd say up until a few years ago, it definitely was. But now, not so. Very few of my friends went to university, actually. So... Um, I think a lot of it now, quite a few people are going to university a few years afterwards. So they're taking a year out or year, year or two out to work or learn what they want to do or find what they want to do even, I should say. With that extent, people don't need a degree for that. Um, 
And the main reason I went to university was because I wanted to do it for myself. See, that is the main difference that I find in Europe. It's like people go to school, get higher education because they actually want to with an educated idea of what they want to learn more of. Over there, you said that you graduated or you're going to graduate with 45,000 pounds, but how much of that is what you actually owe? I don't have to pay anything back until I am earning 25,500 pounds a year, roughly. So they pay back like something like 25 pounds a month, which is nothing. And it's taken out of your wages before you even you're paid, so you don't even notice it. Wow, the UK, man, that is so over here. It's kind of similar, but in the worst way. So let's say you owe student loan debt and you're in delinquency, meaning you haven't paid in over like I think it's 270 days. They will collect your income tax returns. So let's say you like file taxes and you're expecting a return of a thousand dollars. They'll just swipe it, but you're not informed of that until after it happens. Of course. <laughs> And plus the other good thing as well, it's after 30 years, I think it was, if I've not paid off my my debt, it's just wiped off. <gasps> I will move back to London. That's wild. Do you know from your knowledge, is it like private banks that give you guys the loans or is it the government that does it? It's the government. So then wouldn't it create like a huge economic crisis if in 30 years nobody paid back their student loan debt? I mean, that is a worry, but I mean... I can't go, it's not my problem, so... <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any problems! <laughs> so it seems like on the surface, UK students have a lot less pressure when it comes to debt, but it doesn't really seem like it's a permanent solution. I guess we'll have to see in 30 years. Now your average fact. The country's outstanding student loan balance is projected to swell to $2 trillion by 2022. College debt is the fastest amount of growing debt, beating credit card debt and car debt. The U.S. Department of Education is not a bank, so they rely on these third-party loan service providers that you might have, and a lot of these agencies have horrendous reviews. They're supposed to be a customer service agency, but the reality is they actually get paid to get off the phone with people as quickly as possible. So if you're calling in talking about an income-based repayment plan, odds are they're just gonna tell you to forbear, AKA click on forbearance, which seems like a great option at first, until you realize that you're just accruing more debt and your principal becomes higher and you snowball your problem into an even bigger problem. So do your research. And the last thing I have to say is bad credit ain't cute, boo-boo. I wanted to paint this picture and I'm aware that I only have one perspective. And while I was at a party, I randomly met this new stranger turned friend, like leave it to me to talk about student loan debt at a party. I talked to this guy named Greg and I thought his story was so interesting because he not only had an undergrad degree, but he went to get his graduate degree as well, his master's. And I don't know, like to me, one degree already sounds so overwhelming that hearing his story about how he hacked the system and how he figured out ways to make it through college, I knew that he was the perfect guest to have on. You got to guide me a little bit more so I don't run off and like say too much. So the undergrad at MIT, uh, because of the way MIT works where they do merit-based, no, they don't do merit-based aid, they only do need-based aid. So when I got out, I only had about $12,000 worth of student loans. And then I went to grad school for animation at USC, and then I came out of there with about another 80 plus or so, <laughs> something like that. So, which is low for USC grad school. It's not high, it's low actually. That's wild. 
So did you know going into grad school that it would cost that much? So I had an idea and I went and I asked some people because fortunately I knew some smart people. I asked them, you know, is it worth it? Because I actually had a choice between going to uh, Texas A&M and they actually offered me a full ride and everything. Appealing. Yes. Yes. So it was was there or USC. When I went to Texas, uh, it was in the middle of nowhere. Like the college town itself is good, but it's in the middle of nowhere and everything was great. But they kept saying one thing to me that was really strange and really eye opening, which is if you want to make films, this isn't the place for you. Which is good that they were honest. Yes. Because a lot of times these colleges are going to give you nice, fancy pamphlets. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you you get the best, best meal plans. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's a business at mm-hmm. the end of the day. But let's back up a little bit. What did you want to be when you were a kid? And how did you even decide going to college was the right thing? So a couple of things. Uh, always had an interest in animation. Always had an interest in Legos and building. So when I went to school... I decided to do architecture because that one makes sense. I would just say architectural engineer without actually knowing what that meant. And then when I was in school for architecture, I enjoyed the program a lot. And I remember one day, there were several of us undergrads, and we just bumped into a pack of grad students. And they just started warning us, like, get out. Really? Get out while you still can. It's not These were grad students that were, like, what, about to graduate? No, no. I mean, they were in the middle of the program. We kind of knew them. We didn't know them super well, but we knew them enough to know who they were. And these are grad students in architecture at MIT, so they're doing something with their lives. And they were all like, yeah, you know, it's not what you think it is. You're not going to make the money you think you're going to make. You're not going to do the projects you think you're going to be able to do. Don't do it unless you love it, like as a passion. Do it for that reason. Don't do it because it's a good job or a good way to earn money. And I looked at myself and I was like, well, I like this but I don't love it. And so I still finished the architecture program, but I started taking animation electives while I was still there. So you were paying for a degree that you weren't quite sure you loved. Mm-hmm. And lucky for you, you bumped into those grad students that yeah. were like, hold up, yeah. don't go into this if yeah. you don't love it. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of owe it to them in a crazy way. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do. And the whole time as a hobby, I'd always been into animation and in video production as well. So when I went to grad school, it wasn't just to be in the animation field. It was to also start being a filmmaker. And so when I had that program tell me, hey, here's everything that you want, but the one thing we're not going to give you is the ability to make films, it was pretty clear that between that place and USC that I had to go to USC. Right. So it was worth it. Was it worth it? This is the question that I got to ask. Yeah. So technically, yes. Yes. Technically speaking, meaning you picked up skills in classes. I did. I did. Okay. I did, and the people that I met, everything about the program is great. The reason why I say technically is because there's still, like, a, an actual finite value placed on that education. So it's not like, oh, it's, it's worth whatever. It's worth billions of dollars. No, there's, there's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. – have we got to cap it. I have a bill. Yeah. I have a bill for what I got from the program, and for me – that works out. I can't say that it worked out for everyone that I knew, and I don't know if it'll continue to work out for people that come after because the the bill keeps going up every year. Which is wild, Mm -hmm. but I guess it technically needs to because Mm -hmm. technology advances and they need to buy new equipment, or does it? Mm -hmm. You know, like I've been researching this, the difference between in-state college and private college. I went to a private university too, and luckily I got aid, but it's even like the in-state tuitions are getting higher because of budget cuts, which is like, 
when do we when does it all end mm -hmm. does it all end mm -hmm. what do you think well something has to happen something probably will happen i don't know what that is but at some point enough people will run out of money i mean even now there's like this wave of, of strikes and things that are starting to happen which hasn't really happened in the volume that has happened in a long time and that usually tells you that the country's at a point where things need to to shift right so now after you graduated from both of those higher education experiences what is your day-to-day -day like do you work in something that yes. you studied yes yes i do so a couple things that i did so i was in the animation program i focused on visual effects and then i spent all of my elective time in the production program and a lot of my free time just crewing on film sets so because my goal was I just got to meet as many people as I can. I have to build as many connections as I can get, get all the skills that, you know, whatever I can get out of it so that when I go, like, I've gotten my money's worth. So I look back at my college education and I always ask myself, I'm like, is this worth it? And I think the main piece that nobody really talks about, I guess they do, and now we're going to talk about it, mm -hmm. is the social element. Mm -hmm. We met because you were at a party with your fellow USC graduate yes. cohort. And I just happen to be friends with somebody that went to USC, but you guys roll deep and it's that camaraderie mm -hmm. that gets you jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really, is it the degree that's worth it? Or do you think it's the social element that makes it even more valuable? Well, I think for USC is kind of uh, unique because they have a lot of resources. And so if you know what you want to do, they'll give you everything you need to do. There's a lot of great people that come in and out of USC. And so they all give back to make sure that the program continues to put out great students and make it, you know, a really great experience for everyone. And I'm not like here as a shill. Yeah, like but, the USC promo. Right. I just have to be honest about it. So you said you paid off your debt? Uh, some of it. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. That's yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. Walk me through what happened. Okay, so one of the things that happened, I want to say recently, but recently enough was they started the, the extra programs for uh, – student loan they give options for student loan people so where you can do the i don't know if you know the names of it but it's like the pay as you go oh my you know i have a list payment. this is why i have yes. my laptop here so according to my sources there are going to be four different income-based repayment options mm -hmm. in 2019 or mm -hmm. 2020 so the first one was the payment contingency income whatever mm -hmm. plan then it was your pay as you earn uh, then yeah. it was uh like income-based repayment and now mm -hmm. there's going to be another one all of these things make it very confusing and people are just like screw it i'm not gonna pay and then they default mm -hmm. then you become delinquent and then mm -hmm. people collect your goods so we want to avoid all that right which plan did you go with so i did income-based repayment and it's similar to a lot of other government programs where you tell them Here's how much money I earn. Were you anxious? Because I remember being very anxious. Uh -huh. I don't think I was anxious until I actually got the bill. I think Ooh, I, when you get the bill. Yeah, because I think the trick is that they'll they'll tell you everything you need to know except how much money comes out of your pocket every month once you graduate. And people are like, wow, yeah, this sounds great. Free mm -hmm. money. I mm -hmm. vividly remember. I don't know if this was a thing in your schools, but uh, there was a um, petty cash day. There was a literal window in my university. I went to Pace University in mm -hmm. Manhattan. And there was a window in the lobby that was called petty cash. And it was for everybody who took out a loan. 
and maybe they took out twenty thousand dollars in loans and the school only cost fifteen thousand mm-hmm. and so these kids would run to the petty cash window to get that extra 5k thinking that it was free money mm-hmm. little did they know they were paying buku bucks mm-hmm. on top of that mm-hmm. free money compounded daily for graduate schools a little different they give you a little more leeway which is good and bad uh the good is that they'll give you the money if you want it the bad is they don't really educate you very well on what that means because it's unlimited you can take out an unlimited amount for loans well as proportionate to how much it costs for school right like as it pertains to your education right costs. right right but for grad students there is no limit i don't think and right for right. undergrad there is right exactly so i could get the subsidized and unsubsidized federal loans and then if that's not enough because it's only twenty thousand dollars you can get a graduate plus loan which is at a higher rate unsubsidized versus subsidized unsubsidized is when you start paying interest right away, right? And subsidizes when the government pays your interest while you're in school. Right. Yeah, the interest compounds immediately, and either the government will pay off the interest for you or they won't. Right. So right. the good kind of loan to get, or a better kind, is subsidized. Yes. Yeah. But then even the unsubsidized portion will still it's still a better rate, and then after that you can go to a graduate plus loan which assuming you have a good enough credit for it who knows after undergrad i remember getting the regular loan distribution and then going for the plus loan distribution which is somehow it's like a separate process and so was, confusing yeah but i was there they have a big room you can go you can sign the papers and then i just thought to ask so you're going to give me 20 extra thousand dollars like yeah sure and it's like do I need this? And it's like, well, no. Like, what difference does it make? Well, it's just you'd have to pay it back at that that rate. Um, so if you don't need it, maybe you don't need to take it. Which is someone something that someone casually said to me. Casually. Yes. Yes. So I took out like maybe ten instead of twenty. You were smart enough to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. So what question would you advise somebody to ask before taking out a loan? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just. Well, do I need this much money? Like, what is the least amount of money I can take out? You can always ask, is there more money? Because it's kind of like we think of the student loan process and the cost of education, like, well, this is how much it costs. And then if you're smart enough or you have a special skill, here's a scholarship. But really, it's more like, here's the sticker price. What can you do for me? The reason why they have it so high is so that suckers will just pay the full price. Right, because people are like, okay, sounds great. Here's yeah. my money. Yeah. Like, not yeah. a good idea. Exactly. I mean, the, I think the key thing is, is knowing how much it actually costs month to month and having a realistic idea of how much you actually can earn when you come out of school, too. Because the reality is we don't really know how much money we're going to earn until we start earning the money. Like, you can ask people and they'll give you an idea. But nobody wants to talk about how much money they make either. Exactly. That's, exactly. like, so taboo, which I think is painful especially Mm -hmm. because we need to know to make informed decisions of course and this is also how wage discrimination happens part of the reason that the gender gap exists where do we go from here i think the first step is education like actually just explain to people what's happening so they don't make the same mistakes and you're probably seeing that start to kick in because it used to be that parents were like well let me save for my kids thing and then now some parents are like do I really need to spend $200,000 on an undergraduate degree for my kid? Well, it won't even be 200000 for us. It'll probably be like three or four. Who knows? You know, whenever our kids, soon we have kids, go to college. Like, is that really something they need to do when they could probably just, like, 
watch a YouTube tutorial. Let's talk about the YouTube age. Mm -hmm. This is the question that I always get asked because I created my job, mm -hmm. right? Like I graduated for business and yes, I used business skills. It was mostly my internships that gave me those skills though, mm -hmm. which ironically I wouldn't have had without college. So it's like, mm -hmm. was it worth it? I say yes. Yeah. But now when I meet young people, like my nephew, he's seven, he's mm -hmm. like, Gia, how do I become a YouTuber? Or older kids who are 15, what do I study in college to become a YouTuber? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, sure, there are a bunch of YouTubers who graduated from college with a degree. They realized they liked doing this YouTubing thing and mm -hmm. they lived in their parents' homes mm -hmm. and they didn't have to pay rent. So right. their loans were manageable, mm -hmm. not my situation. Mm -hmm. And the, the struggle that I had to do was not recommended. Like not everybody could right. cater events and like clean houses and work a million jobs mm -hmm. just to YouTube. So now I ask myself, if I had to give advice, this is a question I really don't know how to answer, which is why I'm asking you. It's right. like, do I recommend college? Right. I don't quite know that answer. What do you right. think? I mean, I think uh, when you look like people like me or perhaps people like yourself, I think we still got to get as many of us into school as we can. I don't think that's an opportunity that we can afford to waste. It's just too many people died in order it's to let true. that happen. But it's like the costs are now crippling. Right, right. You know, but, the I aftermath mean, of that education. Just to play devil's advocate. No, of I course, totally of course, of course. Uh, I mean, I think things need to happen to make sure that we can all still go and you know we can make better choices about what schools we can go to. We can actually be more considered a price. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's always necessary to just spend whatever it takes to go to the best school because a lot of schools are fine. Some of them are terrible, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of schools are are fine. Like you don't need right. to go to the best school in the country to have a great education. Mm -hmm. You can go to there's there's schools all over the place. So we can be more considerate about where we go to school and how we spend our money. You know, there are options like going in state is obviously cheaper mm -hmm. or not living in the dorms. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think looking back, the main reason why I say college is valuable and I think everybody should consider some kind of higher education is because of the social aspect. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's pretty much how, especially if you haven't had access to like a variety of people or even a variety of middle class or higher people, it's the best way you're going to be in a place where you're more or less equal, at least if not like at the core, mm -hmm. but at least you can pretend to all be equal for a little pretend. bit. Pretend, and then when the loans hit, it's like the truth comes back, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's like somebody who has a family that's wealthy can start, you know, going on up, and everybody else with, you know, median to low income is like, oh shit, these loans are coming for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the problem here. Yeah. That's the problem we need to address. Yeah. Thank you so much. Do you have any last words of wisdom for anybody out there considering either going to grad school or even undergrad? Oh, yeah. I mean, make sure what you're doing is worth it. Make sure you can afford it. You know, make sure that the career field that you're leaving out can actually support the cost of the education that you're getting. And then make sure that you ask and find out about, you know, what you should be earning when you get out, too, because sometimes you can get the work in the field. But if you don't know any better, mm -hmm. then you won't get paid correctly. Right, because you're not nothing's guaranteed at this point. Exactly. You just got to be as frugal as possible. Yeah. Obviously, there are so many student loan debt stories out there. People just like you or just like me are trying to figure out a way to deal with this huge issue. When we come back, we're going to give you expert tips on how to manage your money because, you know, we all need the tips. So bring your notebooks. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For me, payment. Payment confirmation. I can't. I literally just paid off my loans. I literally just have no debt. Yes. <laughs> okay. Wow, I might just cry a tear of joy. And then they make it so anticlimactic on the dashboard. They're just like, payment confirmation, success. That was me the day that I paid off all of my student loans in full. And it's crazy. I still actually don't believe that moment happened. I wake up every day and I'm like, hold up, I'm debt free? How did that happen? And by the way, that was a video from my Instagram, at Joe underscore Franco. And you could see the excitement in my face of like, wow, I can actually start my life. So let's take a trip down memory lane. How did I even get there? I come from an immigrant family. And from a very young age, I knew that nobody was going to pay for my college. But by 17, I decided to go to a private business school in Manhattan. Uh, because I was like, let me try this out. Like, I'm here in the States. It's the land of opportunity. Let me see what I can do. And because I knew I had to pay for everything, I find myself frantically searching for opportunities to get ahead of the game. So while in school, I did seven internships, and all of them were unpaid. And so that meant that I had to have side jobs so that I could pay interest while I was still in school and have pocket money to survive in Manhattan. And after I graduated, I knew that a salary job wasn't going to help me resolve this issue because $40,000 a year as a salary isn't gonna scratch the surface on a student loan account that was $67,000 deep, especially when you add up rent, food, all of those expenses. So I took a step back and I'm like, the only way that I can pay off these loans is if I do something crazy. And that's when I decided to become a full-blown entrepreneur by way of the YouTube channel Damon and Joe, where I mastered the art of making passive income on the internet. My personal tangible tips are one, pay interest while you're still in school. So that was a little tip that somebody told me casually and I thought about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, if I could put $100 towards the interest every you know month, that'll probably help me and it ended up helping me a lot. Two, consolidate your loans so your accounts look a little less scary. You're gonna end up paying the same amount, but looking at one account as opposed to three is gonna make it all feel more attainable. Three, use the gig economy to your favor, right? At this day and age, you could do so many different things, whether it's post-mating or dog walking or delivering groceries, there's an app for every single form of making passive income. And so if you feel like you're falling in the trap, don't, because at the end of the day, you could have side hustles and those dollars could be put towards your student loans. 
And the last tip I have is, is really trying to think of what skills do you have that are monetizable. So there are also various platforms for freelancers to list their services where you can have a full-time job but also have another side hustle so you can make that extra money. Bottom line is you need to stay focused and you need to be smart and strategic because it is all possible. Again, I made it happen without anybody's help other than obviously the people who paid me to do odd jobs. And on the subject of being smart and strategic, here's Jaritza to tell you how to get your hands on free money by way of scholarships. Your story is so crazy. You got like over $100,000 of scholarships for college. Yes. How? So, you know, from the hood, girl. So starting from the bottom. So I decided, you know, I need to find a way to pay for college. How am I going to do that? Because it's expensive. <laughs> so expensive. And did you know what you wanted to do at the time? Yeah. So I was set on becoming a journalist. Like I had, I was going to be on Univision, but I realized that my love was um, higher education. But when I was in high school, um, I went to my, my guidance counselor and I said, you know, I want to go to a traditional college, um, I, but how am I going to pay for it? And that's when she told me, oh, you can apply for scholarships. So I went absolutely crazy. Um, I applied to every scholarship I could think of and every scholarship that would come my way. I was there the first one applying. And at first I started to hear back like, oh, you won $100 and you won $500. Um, then I got I received a $10,000 check in the mail and I was like oh it can't get better than this and then I received like several full ride offers from several universities so wow. I wound up attending Seton Hall University which is a small private uh, Catholic school in Jersey and that's where um, I won the bulk of my scholarship I mean I, I actually don't even know the total but it was well over six figures it was like close to two hundred thousand dollars that I wound up winning and with that money, I was able to graduate um, debt-free, and I'm so grateful for that. So let me get this straight. You didn't know exactly where you were going to school, but you knew you wanted to go to college, and you knew that you needed to get money to go to college. So these scholarships would have been applicable regardless of where you went? So financial aid comes from four major sources. It comes from um, state aid, so that is uh, dependent on the state, New York, New Jersey. They have their own buckets they give out. And and then there's federal aid, so like a federal Pell Grant, that would be, that's something that's applied to students nationwide. Now, the bulk of the scholarships come from institutional aid. So that's money that you get directly from the college. And that's where most of my scholarships came from institutional okay. aid. Besides institutional aid, there's outside scholarships, and that would be. Um, Things like the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, which was my former employer and the one that gave me the $10,000 check when I was in high school. Nice. And, um, you know, thing associations um, like, for example, if you're going into nursing um, or if you're going to be an architect, there's different associations that give out scholarships to students who are interested in going down that career path. Okay, so what would you say is the best strategy for somebody just like you who doesn't really know what they want to do or where they want to go? I guess they should know a little bit about what they want to do, but once they narrow those things down, what's the next step? What do they do? I tell students that starting from high school um, that you should, number one, 
keep your grades up, right? I know that sounds super simple, but really (laughs) your grades and your SAT scores, um, they're really an indicator for scholarship committees of how well you do. And um, so that will make it easier for you. Now, that doesn't mean that if you don't have a 4.0, you can't get a scholarship, because I did not have a 4.0. But um, I was involved on campus in many ways. Now, um, I tell all the parents and students that I give workshops to that if they're interested in a college, they should look at the scholarship section of the college's website and they should start doing that in their sophomore or junior year so then they could get of high school of high school yes wow that's like some early planning you're talking three years ahead well the thing is that you need to know what they're looking for so you can prepare yourself for that because so every university let me get this straight mm-hmm. every university for the most part has a scholarship section on their website or should and in that section what should you find so most universities have a scholarship section it's usually under the financial aid section and under that you'll find the list of scholarships that they have available now normally these scholarships will be alumni um, endowments or just alumni scholarships uh, that they have set in place and then once you start to familiarize yourself with what kind of candidate they're looking for you can kind of reverse engineer what you're doing so you could fit that so what one thing i do want to say is that um there's differences between state schools and private schools. So a lot of people think like, oh, public education is che- has cheaper tuition, so I'm just gonna go to a public school. But in my experience, and especially as someone who works as a university fundraiser, the private schools have more leeway on who they can give scholarships to. And if they really like you, they will, they have more flexibility to give you money. So I always say, you know, don't just go for the state school, apply for everything and also apply Mm -hmm. to the elite schools as well. So really the core, the core of what you're saying is the most important thing about getting the free money is saying that you want the free money. Exactly. So I say like closed mouths, don't get fed right so you need to that's let people it know. that's so good you need to let people know that um what your goals are because if they don't know how can they help you you know you're so optimistic about this this is like a pretty daunting subject and it's refreshing to hear that in your experience at every single part of the process whether you're in high school or you're going to transfer from a community college to a, a private university or whatever there is hope yeah absolutely and so like i said Like, don't think, listen, for me, I never thought when I was in high school, um, I don't know what Ivy League was like, (laughs) like, what is that? Right. I would have never in a million years thought that I could graduate Ivy League and that I would be at Columbia and just like with these uh, elites, this elite society. Right. Right. But um, I realized that it's just like, why was I saying no to myself? Like, I'm capable just like everyone else. I love a good money hack. Who doesn't love free money? Not your average facts. When you're looking at your loans, check out how the interest is provided to you. Is it compounded? Basically, compounded interest daily means that every single day that you're paying, your principal becomes higher. So when you start paying it back, it's really hard to get 
to the principal because your payments all go to pay off interest first. So a huge tip here is pay off interest while you're in school because by the time you graduate, you'll have at least a chance of getting to that principal or amortization, which is when you actually kill that principal balance. That's the goal. Kill that principal balance. The clock is ticking with interest that's compounded. The day that you sign off on that loan, the minute it's dispersed, it just grows every single day. And a lot of people don't realize that. It's scary. It's scary shit. Okay, okay, okay. Let's get back to it. Our final guest is a certified financial expert that I actually found on Instagram. So my name is Bola Shukumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. And at Clever Girl Finance, we are an online financial education platform for women where we empower women and educate women to be able to make the best decisions for themselves around money and basically get to the point where they're living life on their own terms and are comfortable with their financial wellness. What I love about Bola is that she's built an entire career through social media that helps people manage their money. And here are some of her top tips. So the first strategy is to pay off your, to focus on paying down the debt that has the highest interest rates. Uh, when you focus on paying down the debt that has the highest interest rate, you're over time minimizing the total amount of interest that you're paying because you're paying that debt off faster. So that's one strategy. The other strategy is to focus on paying off the debt that has the smallest balance regardless of interest rate. So in this approach, you won't save as much money on interest depending on how, how, how high the interest rate is, but both approaches work because when you are either pursuing paying off the highest interest rate debt or the lowest, ba lowest balance debt, your goal should be, should be to pay as much more than the minimum as you can possibly pay. And so these two strategies both work. It's just which one you prefer to do. Um, a lot of people prefer to choose, you know, the the strategy where you pay off your smallest balance because as human beings, we thrive on quick wins. So if you have a $1,000 student loan versus a $25,000 student loan, you're going to feel like you've made more progress when you've paid off and closed that $1,000 account versus taking the several months or even years to pay off the $25,000 one. That's actually what I did. I had a bunch of loans and I always went I mean, I paid all of them at the same time, but the first chance I got to pay off the smallest balance in full, I did, and it relieved me. Yeah, great job paying off your loans. <laughs> and another really key tip when it comes to student loans is that typically when somebody comes out of college, they are given, you know, a payment schedule, uh, some sort of amortization schedule of these are all the payments you're going to have to make over the next 10 years um, in order to get out of your student loan debt. However, you don't have to stick by that payment plan. The whole idea of a loan servicer or a loan provider giving you that payment plan is because their intention is to keep you in the life cycle of that student loan as long as possible because when they're able to do that, they're able to charge you the maximum amount of interest possible. So you don't have to stick to that plan. You can definitely make minimum payments. You can pay more than that minimum every single month. The one caveat I will mention is that when you're making minimum payments, you always want to make sure that you confirm with your loan servicer, with your loan provider, that that additional payment that you're making is going towards your principal balance and not to interest. So one of the big um, concerns I get from people is that I'm making extra payments on my student loans, but the balance isn't changing. And when we dig deeper, we find that their extra payments have been going directly to interest and it hasn't been changing their principal balance. So that's something really important to keep in mind. People have student loan debt and they get out of college and they're hit with the debt. So then they go in and they get a job. And a lot of people struggle to 
know how much money they should pay. Like, so for instance, let's say you get a bonus. Would you recommend that somebody puts the entire bonus towards a student loan? Obviously, it's all subjective. But what what do you think the best strategy is? Would you like put a bunch of money towards the loans and just have enough to survive so that you can get rid of the debt quicker? That's a great question. So it really depends, right? It depends on what you're dealing with in your financial situation. So when you come out of college, you're going to be told um, from your loan service or loan provider what the expected payment is every month. So you have a baseline, you know, you need to pay $200, $500, whatever it might be. But your goal should be on top of that payment that you want to be able to pay additional amounts to your principal balance balance whenever you can. So if you get a bonus, right, it is a great idea to put that bonus against your principal balance so that you can bring that balance down and reduce how much interest you're paying. Ideally, your goal should be to save yourself as much money on interest. However, caveat here is that student loans typically have lower interest rates as compared to credit cards, right? So if you are dealing with a variety of debt, like you have a student loan here, you have a credit card there, you want to compare the interest rates, right? So if you have a student loan at 7%, but a credit card at 20% interest, and you get a bonus and that bonus can pay off one of the loans, I would pick the loan that has um, the highest interest associated because um, you will be saving the most amount of money. A lot of people that are going to have student loan debt are also going to have credit card debts. And I think it's important to know the difference if there is one in terms of the interest rate. Like, are they both compounded in the same way? Because I know student loans are compounded daily, from my knowledge. Are credit cards as well? Yeah, credit cards are also compounded daily. So what's what you really want to focus on here is the difference between the interest rates. So a lot of times, student loan interest rates are in the, you know, under 10%, a lot of times well under 10%, whereas most times credit card interest rates are well above 10%, right? I'm talking about averages here. So if you compare the two interest rates and you're like, wait a minute, my student loan has 5%, but my credit card has 15%, then you want to focus on that 15%, aggressively pay it down, pay as much as you can to get it out of your life, and then shift your focus to that lower interest rate. So helpful. And I know you do this for a living. You have your company, Clever Girl Finance, and I'm so glad that you're offering resources out there. Do you have any final tips or takeaways to comfort at least, you know, some people that have student loans or loans in general? Yeah. So, you know, student loans, most people have them and you got your student loans for a reason to help you get an education, to help you get a great job so that you can earn a good income. So you have this asset in hand and that asset is now your education and your degree and what you can deliver as a human being. And so be confident in your skill and go out and seek the best positions and be confident negotiating your salary and be confident asking for raises and asking for what you're worth and proving your worth at work so that you can earn that income to pay down your loans. But the truth is that it is possible. You just have to have focus and be able to sacrifice for a few months or a few years to get it out of the way. And once you can do that and get to the other side of it, you will be so glad that you did. And that is it for today, my not-so-average Joes. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And I really, really do hope that this plants the seed for your financial freedom because as somebody who was able to pay off the loans, 
there's nothing more gratifying than feeling like you're actually living your life instead of living your life to pay a loan. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with somebody else who is dealing with student loans or somebody else who can relate to this. Rate the pod five stars wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to follow us on Instagram so we can keep these conversations going because you know they're important. The show's account is not your average Joe pod and mine is Joe underscore Franco. And one last thing, in honor of the new year, I am running a Joe Club promotion. If you'd like to join Joe Club, which is my journaling club, with members all around the world, use promo code NowYourAverageJoe for 50% off your first month. I host two live journaling sessions monthly, and I might even do a money session soon. I'll link the details in the show notes. Have a beautiful rest of your week, and if you're in a struggle, have no fear, you gon' persevere. See you next time. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.